You are listening to Zen and the Art of Triathlon. Well, hey there, all you triathlon studs and studettes, and welcome to another great episode of Zen and the Art of Triathlon, the podcast where we go long on endurance and learn a lot about ourselves along the way. All right, on today's show, a Norseman, racer and finisher, pro triathlete, John Hirsch. Most people are aware of the Norseman Triathlon. It's an Ironman distance race, but it is beyond epic. It starts off in a fjord in Norway, <laughs> probably starting to swim around orcas. They jump off of a ferry, swim the 2.4 miles, and then bike in some of the most epic scenery all the way to a mountain. And then they try to run up the mountain and get to the top. And if you make it all the way to the top, you get a special t-shirt. And basically, all you get is the shirt and a whole lot of glory. It is a very difficult triathlon to get into. It's a very difficult triathlon to compete and complete. So we talk all about how he actually got into it, how the race went down. There's lots of good tips in there about how to stay warm and also how to stay conscious, which is, a, which is something to know how to do that will be helpful at Norseman. And then the second half of the interview, we talk about all kinds of things like where the sport is headed, how he has maintained and possibly improved his swimming, whether he's actually a pro anymore or not, and all kinds of great topics. Even do a little bit of a gravel talk about, you know, our, when are we going to start seeing more triathlons that include a gravel bike since so many people have gravel bikes. And it's just a really, really great all-around interview. And because the interview is so in-depth, uh, we're not going to do a training log at the end of it. We'll save that for another episode. But in the training log next episode, I'll talk about some new gear that I have. I have a new uh, helmet that I want to talk about that you might enjoy. And then also I have a Garmin watch repair that was really interesting. And we're going to see how that goes down. Uh, Kai has gone off to Texas State in San Marcos, which I would call the Durango of Texas. The cycling there is epic. And he's joined the cycling team there and is already doing some of the most vertical elevation gain rides I've seen him ever do. And he's absolutely loving it. So we'll have lots of that with him. I'm going to next weekend try to go ride with him and we'll, we'll see if I survive. He's an incredible mountain biker. And it's already tough enough for me to keep up with him around here. And he said the trails there are far beyond what we experience here as far as technical skills required. But first, we're going to do a little bit of triathlon news. Also mention some donors to the show. Got Tracy Ash, Michael Radogna, Brett Hoyer, and Kelly Harper have all joined in supporting Zen in the Art of Triathlon. It's easy to do. You can go to zentriathlon.com and look for the link on the bottom left to subscribe to support the show. It's an easy like PayPal recurring donation that you can set any amount that you want. And I think it's currently set at almost $4, which is like a dollar a week. (laughs) 
And speaking of that, if you want to advertise or support the show, reach out to me at texafornia at gmail.com and you can join the legacy of some of the many, many, many sponsors that we've had on the show and enjoyed terrific results. We've had Sunto, Salt Stick, Orange Mud, BMC, Zip, Velosurance, DeSoto Wetsuits. You're in good hands if you're on Zentry. And again, the email is texafornia at gmail.com, T-E-X-A-F-O-R-N-I-A, texafornia at gmail.com. But let's go ahead and move on from that and do some triathlon news. So a cool thing to know about 70.3 World Championships is they move it around. A few years back, I almost qualified when I raced half Ironman Austin, and I think the 70.3 Worlds were, were they in South Africa or Austria? I can't remember, but they were very far away, <laughs> which made it easier to get a spot, I think. They were rolling down, which makes it easier to qualify for Worlds if the race is far away because not as many people will take those slots because it's a big travel ask of you. But this year, they were in Finland. And if you're looking at a globe and you point it down with three fingers, kind of, then Norway would be the one furthest to the west. Sweden is in the middle. And then you have a, a, a lengthy gulf. And then you have Finland. And Finland's right up next to Russia. And let's go ahead and do ladies first. Taylor Nib from United States got a 353. And then it goes down to Cat Matthews from Great Britain with a 357. And then Imogen, is that how you say her name? Simmons, which is Swiss. From, and she got a 357 as well, as well. Just one second. So that was a sprint finish for second and third right there. And then with the men's race, with a surprise winner from Germany, Rico Bogen. And he was only 22 years old. And then looking at the results, the first person that I see that is very famous is Sam Long. And he was all the way down in 12th. We've got a lot of Germans, France, German, Netherlands, Great Britain. We've got Mark Dubrick from the USA, Thor, Bendix from Denmark, Bendix Madsen. And the thing to know is there was a bit of controversy at this race because Lionel Sanders was in this race, but he's not in the results. Why not? Well, it turns out he got disqualified for crossing over onto the other side of the road <laughs> when he was passing people. And the controversy is, well, there was no line painted in the road, but also the roads are very narrow in Europe compared to the United States. And it's kind of up to the motorcycle judges on whether it was a safe pass or not. And uh, reading the story, I was still on the side of Lionel Sanders about it. And it's like, if there's not enough room and it's a narrow road and you got to pass a whole bunch of people, well, then go all the way over to the other side of the road. Because I talk about this with all the gravel biking and the Vario radar that I've got on the back of my bike. It allows me to ride on the other side of the road so I can ride in the shade and stuff. And it's generally safe on a small, quiet road. Well, it's deceiving, actually, that a narrow road in Europe is a quiet road with no traffic because all their roads are narrow <laughs> and it could have traffic on it. It's an, it was apparently pos could possibly have been an open road. 
I'm still kind of like, okay, yeah. And then when they said that actually he was going into a turn and that made it unsafe, and I was like, yeah, okay, well, I guess that warrants a ticket of sorts from the judges. But it turns out it's a red card and you're out of the race, which I think is a little a little much. But that's the way the race rules go down. And Lionel Sanders made a post on social media about it. And it's definitely frustrating, I'm sure. But when it comes down to this stuff, we've got to be safe. Uh, you know, I've been doing a lot of gravel racing lately. And there was a gravel racer that was killed. And there's more accidents than you hear about in the news. But he was killed because gravel races are on small country roads, but they don't close the roads down. And you can get into a tight turn going high speed down a hill and there's an intersection at the bottom and you're not expecting a car because there's hardly ever a car, but there is a car. So you got to be safe. And moving on from that is there was two deaths in an Ironman in Ireland. And this is a tragedy that was due to the swim conditions, the deaths that have been happening for years off and on on occasion in swimming in Ironmans, they figured out that those are caused by hitting cold water too fast. And then what that does is your body creates a reaction to the cold water and elevates your blood pressure. And then with the tightness of the wetsuit around your neck, that can cause this like feedback loop that just makes it worse and worse and worse. And then people pass out or they have a stroke or whatever happens, it's a known thing in these fast mass starts in the water. And that's why Ironman years ago switched to um, the gradual starts where you walk in and do a nice gradual start along with everybody else, strung out in a line. And people both don't like it because you don't have the mass starts, but I actually do like it even though uh, my background is swimming because I didn't pay $800 to be in a scrum swim. I want to enjoy my swim. Uh, but then you don't really know, like, if you're racing somebody at the finish line, like how far ahead or behind they actually started and whether you're actually beating them or not, which is a downside. But of course, I'd rather just be alive. So that's an upside. That is not what caused the swim deaths in this Ironman, allegedly. It was rough water conditions. And I think they already changed the swim course once and they went ahead and did the race and then the water was still too rough. And a couple people drowned. And it just goes to show that Ironman triathlons are technically considered an extreme sport. And that is always something to remember. Keep that in your back pocket. Triathlon is an extreme sport. It's one of the earliest extreme sports along with surfing. And it's really risky out there. So everybody needs to be safe, okay? I've always said with triathlons that it drives me crazy that Ironman does not require any kind of qualifications before you sign up and start your race. I think that you should have to do some open water swimming and show some results and work your way up before you do an Ironman so that they know that you're going to be safe out there and you've got some experience on both the swim and the bike. And then also when you get out there on the run, you've got experience with being exhausted and know what you're doing and how to help yourself not get into trouble out there. But all we can do is just give advice and remember that. And if you get in trouble in the water, try not to panic and 
raise your hand and try to get some help. Okay, but anyway, let's move on from that and try to get into some happier content. And let's go ahead and start talking to our guest for today's show, John Hirsch, all about the Norseman Triathlon, what it was like and what it took to get there. Here we go. All right, I'm here with the amazing John Hirsch, pro triathlete extraordinaire, who just did Norseman. Do I call you uh, Norseman? I believe I believe I am a Norseman. Yeah, you are a Norseman. Yeah. So, is it? Do they say Norseman or is it my southern slang doing Norseman? What it, I what mean, you... based on your height and your complexion, I imagine you know. However, you say it has the Viking oh. souls. <laughs> however. <laughs> However, I say it's probably all right, but then, yeah. um, yeah, uh, interesting thing about Vikings is they, uh, they spread all over the world a lot more than what we originally thought. So if you're, if you're, oh, yeah. Euro- if you're European, you're probably some percentage Viking. Yeah. I'm 7%. Uh, I found yeah. out. Really? So, yeah. Yeah. That's cool, dude. Yeah. Without, with, without having any actual just direct ancestors from Scandinavia, I'm 7%. Yeah. 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 They get around. Yeah. Anybody that has son in their name is um that's Viking, actually, by the way. So yeah. Like obviously like Ericsson, but a lot of people have a you can look it up in Google, like uh Viking name extensions that they've kept over the years. <laughs> and and then uh Thursday is Thor's day. Yeah. Oh, yeah. all the all the Freya is Friday. Yeah, it's Odin awesome. Odin is Wednesday. Yeah. And I think Tuesday is tier. So yeah. Oh yeah. Cool. So yeah, that is Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday are all, all Viking gods. Yeah. Awesome. Well, okay. So Norseman is it's an Ironman distance, right? Yeah. Nor yeah, exactly. It is. It's but a, it's extremely yeah. rugged. It's considered like one of the hardest, if not the hardest, um Ironmans out there. Our, well, Iron Man distance triathlons. It's not Iron Man brand, which we're going to no. Get they very much aren't. They're, <laughs> they're very much not. <laughs> so we'll get into that. That's a pretty cool uh, thing. And then, but it's like hard to get into it. And yes, um, it's extremely rugged terrain, which is part of the deal. And uh, there's other. It's it's put on by Xtry, right? And so there's yep. some other ones around the world, but they go like all in on, on it being nuts, like Patagonia Man. Yeah, Canada Wiss Man. Kelp Man has now become big oh, enough. They yeah. don't eat they have to have a wait list too. Um I believe there's uh the Iron Cowboy has one in Utah. Mm-hmm. Um but I don't believe it's it's uh it's got a different name and I'm spacing it. But yeah, so there's one in Utah um they're yeah they're bonkers i think there's i don't know how many there are worldwide but there's you know there's definitely a need for it there's nepal has a race an extreme an extra race Whoa, yeah I know that. Wow. yeah i mean their 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 goal is to kind of you know give bring that next that next level challenge that mm-hmm. that kind of like you know this so, is crazy iron man was cool but hold my beer kind of vibe no doubt yeah so uh, for people that don't know john and i go way back probably 15 years of uh 
being on podcasts together in person, putting on training camps together. So if, if you're kind of like, man, these guys really do, how does, how does Brett know this guy so well? It goes way, way, way back. Been to Spain yeah, together. Of, yeah. I have an ongoing, an ongoing segment on your show called live from the pro rack. And oh, live from the pro rack. I yeah. even guessed you. Wait, we lost you for a second. You oh, even then you froze. Okay. All right. Sorry. We had a audio video technicals technicalities so <laughs> we turned off video so we can uh capture the audio better so you were saying you were a guest host we had a segment called from the pro rack yep that was my segment on your show and then mm -hmm. at some point i interviewed you i took over your show and ran it <laughs> i got one week on your show and, <laughs> and then i interviewed you and it was yeah. it was fantastic i did a great job i guess you did yeah yeah, I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure everybody was pretty. You know, everybody's yeah. clamoring for that again. Oh yeah, we, we <laughs> might we might do that. And then uh, yeah. you actually Moment. stayed at my house uh, more than once, I'm sure. And then you were you just saw Kai for the first time. And the last time you were here, remember we were riding on rollers in the living room, and he was just a little kid running around the living room. Yeah, I do remember. No, I used to come down there for uh, a week or like yeah. nine days. Oh, every and train. Day. Yeah train to get like my warm weather training and i did it yeah. out of your house man we i would ride a hundred miles and then we'd go to uh freebirds yes and then um and i live in the i still live in the realm of castlegate this oh, i love the realm like an a texas imitation of a european village of an english village it's amazing there's like griffins and stuff it's mm -hmm. it's i don't think people mm -hmm. understand just how disney amazing it is <laughs> and we come in through a castle remember we drive yeah in. there's a castle with a griffin yeah yeah. Oh my god. Mythical okay. mythical bird monster. Yes. I'm so it's into amazing. it. So Norseman, I thought, yeah. you know, when Norseman first came out, I'm like, oh, this is cool. And I'm like, okay, it's really far away, like Norway. And me being more Swedish uh than anything, it's like, oh, I could probably tie that into going to Sweden. And I think I could because uh my because Kai and my mom went to Sweden uh about five years ago and cool, cool. just stayed with a whole bunch of family. And oh, that's so I've got a ton of family there apparently. So it's like been on my radar kind of as a thing to do, but mm -hmm. then the wait list is like, Oh man, what are we gonna do about this wait list? But um, the wait list is because uh, the triathlon is so freaking awesome. So tell us more about like what it's, what's like, how did you get in? And then how did you, uh, how did you, uh, what was, what's the race like? And then how did you do? Okay. So yeah, there's two things about this. So let me start with the, how the getting in process. Cause one, yeah. as hard as the race is getting in is almost as hard. They limit it to, I think about 300, 350 ish people, oh, wow. everybody, right. And everybody wants to do it. So the guy, I was on a ferry, the ferry to the start. They actually just, they could have easily done a you know rectangle swim, but instead just to make it even more epic, they mm -hmm. take you in a, in a boat, a 4k offshore, and they mm -hmm. jump, they dump you in the water. So you can swim against the tide and the waves the whole way back. It's epic. Um, oh, really? It's against the, it's against the current and the, yeah, yeah, yeah. For, yeah. I mean, maybe it's different on different years, but the year yeah. I did, it was definitely against the current and against oh my waves. God. And so what, and what part of Norway is it in? Is it far North it's, or is it's it Southern? Or no, it's called Einfjord. It's uh, well, it starts in Einfjord. The course is point to point. So right. you finish 140 miles away from where you start. Oh my God. And that's a meaningful chunk of the country. So you actually tra traverse from west to east across this giant plateau. 
I mean, first you have to climb up the giant plateau, then you go across the giant plateau, which is high. It's like <laughs> 3,000 feet, I think. And then you go down, and then you go up over another mountain, and then you go down, and then you go up over another mountain, and then eventually you come off the plateau. Um, but it's, it's so this starts in a place called Einfjord, and it um, and it's about two three hours from Bergen, which is the the most west uh kind of bigger city for those of you who are viking fans that's uh near katakat the vikings tv show um mm-hmm. just south of katakat and then um which is also about four or five hours from uh oslo which is like the most southern part of norway then so um but the getting in part let me just get back to that because it's bonkers on the boat ride out i think i talked to like three or four people like kind of who are standing next to me and all of them had been trying to get in for five years or longer so apparently you put your name in on the lottery they do a live drawing on the internet and everybody watches it it's apparently like a part of the tradition and then you um so then you get in and then you and then after five years you, you get two names put in like they double your chances and i think maybe after 10 years they you get another bump but mm-hmm. most people apparently don't get in in the first five years. It's that it's that hard to get in. There's that many people that want to do it. It's truly that sought after as a kind of bucket yeah. list race. And then, um, but they also became the X-Tri Tour. So Norseman was so popular, they realized that they want, other people wanted this kind of extreme Ironman challenge, this really, mm-hmm. you know, difficult, funky, extra hard style racing. So they franchised it out and so if i got a spot at canada man um is how i got a spot similar to how kona does it right like you can everyone wants to go to kona so they have a they have a lottery but Mm -hmm. you know you can also get in through you know lake placid or whatever other iron you know iron man so it's like performance based at another one that's not as um, right backed up with a waiting list if you can get in right there's you can qualify for the for the yeah there's two ways into the race exactly so so those are the those are the but it's it's hard. I mean, it's it's definitely hard to get into. That's for sure. Um, yeah. So, anyways, I got in through Canada, man. I did uh, that race uh, in 2020. So, where's Canada? Man? Canada, man, is in Quebec. It finishes at the top of a I don't know three thousand, four thousand foot mountain with a uh, observatory on the top, which is awesome. And okay. then uh, and it's got like ten thousand feet of climbing on the bike. The swim take took place in the dark. The whole thing was. <laughs> also fully equally epic actually um in some ways i would say they're comparable in terms of difficulty they're just different they're like kind of different um yeah. they're different what time of year is canada man at? so the first time i did it because of covid it was actually they put it in october and that was like oh. 35 degrees and really interesting yeah um the water was like 45 degrees it was oh wild. my god yeah the, the second but now it's it's, it's traditionally held uh, july 4th weekend Okay. Which in Canada means absolutely nothing. <laughs> we need to get that out there. <laughs> yeah, just in case you're wondering. Just in case. Nobody cares in Canada that it's July 4th weekend to them. Yeah. That's right. a week that they put the race on. That's awesome. Okay. So now I'm getting a better feel for like how. Okay. And then, oh, so people uh, might not know. I did uh, kind of like a baby cousin, not, not blood related to uh norseman is the only other place i've seen a norseman shirt is the sos triathlon in new york yes it's which is it's, uh, very sure. similar in a weird way yeah sos uh, is kind of this this definitely like intentionally challenging they don't try to nerf it in any way yeah it's, mountaintop finish mountaintop finish or, yeah a uh, half yeah. iron man distance or like kind of like a longer half iron man 
Uh, yeah, it's a weird, so, a weird one. Yeah. There's like five wins, five runs. And yeah. Done so I've done that well, twice. And, and it's point to point, like what yep. you said. And, um, um, so yeah, I, I kind of got an idea a little bit of like what, what it's kind of like. So then, uh, oh, and that's the only place I've seen a Norseman shirt. Oh was, yeah. Yeah. Was, people uh, who... Somebody that had had that on and I was like, oh my God, there's a Norseman here. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think, I think, I think it's going to attract the same people, right? There's this, yeah. there's this kind of growing or always present counterculture to mainstream triathlon. Yeah. And I think there's a group of athletes like me who are always going to try to find those weird, fun, mm-hmm. off the beat path events, whether it's for me, it was Israel man, this like mm-hmm. brutally hard Ironman in Israel that also has a zillion feet of climbing mm-hmm. through a desert with wind or, um, um, Savage Man is a famously weird half Ironman race with a, you know, a 30 something percent climb that they have like people on ropes to catch you when you fall off your bike. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there's all these great races. You were there, also like age group champion at, at, uh, like some kind of, was it a Spartan thing at Lake Tahoe? Oh, so actually I was, so that's another whole like career. I spent three <laughs> years racing Spartan ultras. Yeah. Um, third, my best result was third overall, but they had a, at the time, a thing called masters elite. Yeah. So if you were a pro, but over 40, um, you yeah. won a special prize and the prize was money. So it was a, it was cool. That was cool. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. yeah. So I, 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 uh, I did that for, I did that for a while and that was definitely very good for getting re- ready for these extra off-road marathons, you know, right. these, that's my alarm to remind me that I'm talking to you. Um, oh, hello. <laughs> um, but yeah, there's definitely these really. Keep talking, John. Uh, can you hear me now? There, there we go. Okay, cool. So hey, yeah. we lost our internet for a second. Um, no worries. Yeah, we're switching over in our neighborhood to um, fiber. Okay. And I think the switching off and on and off and on as they're trying to get more people hooked up, like throttles the network. <laughs> oh. <laughs> so anyway, um, so all the Spartan stuff got you ready for the uh, the X-Try like, kind of stuff, right? Yeah, just, you know, running on weird courses on tired legs. Mm-hmm. something that i've that i definitely you know and but mostly it's just the vibe i just you know i'm really at this point in my life i really just want to run through the woods and be a weirdo right <laughs> <laughs> you know like it's definitely that i did a lot of that at huntsville state park at the rocky raccoon it's yeah the ba- it is the best yeah yeah, yeah man I just i just i yeah. i'm older i still have all this endurance i don't quite have the top speed but like I don't know. Let's power hike up a 6,000 foot mountain at the end of an Ironman. Why not? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, so on race day, mm-hmm. um, you jump off of a ferry and you swam yeah. um, against the tide. Yes. And against it, it was dark. It's dark when you start, right? Then you swim. Yeah. It's uh, pretty much sunlight? dark the whole time. They light a fire on the shore what? to swim towards. What? Yeah. That part's epic. I Wait, dude. What? Uh, this was. Well, how's it dark like the whole time? Wasn't it just this? Uh, well, I mean, eventually, but they, I mean, it's in a fjord, right? So it's a 5,000 foot mountain. Oh, on each it's side. in the shadow. Oh, yeah. Okay. It doesn't day. I mean, even though it's star, even though the, I think daybreak around there is like four in the morning or three 30 in the morning, that time of year. Yeah. It doesn't get light for another three hours. Cause the, yeah. you're in the, you're in this, like you're in this like 
Shadow of the Valley. Sun Shadow, of death. yeah. Mountain mm-hmm. Shadow. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Okay. So then that's interesting. Okay. Mm-hmm. So then now I have watched some footage of it from like years previous. I purposefully um did not when I saw that you um you did Norseman and you and you enjoyed it and everything. I purposely don't know any details. I don't even I'm not even exactly sure what place you got and everything. So okay. I have so I have a genuine reaction like when I interview you. <laughs> Amazing. Okay. Amazing. So uh, and I, I held back on purpose so that I was I could go into this like going like holy crap. Yeah. So uh, remember like I didn't even know uh, that you had. I was like, where's the shirt? And you're like, dude, it's on my Instagram. And uh, <laughs> just go over a couple more slides. And I was like, oh, there it is. Okay. Because the most important <laughs> thing in the world is the shirt. Yes. This is one of the shirt. only races where I think I actually cared about the finisher shirt. Yeah. At least to this degree. Yeah. Um, and we'll, we can get into that if you want. But the, the, the yeah. point is, that is the top 130 or 160 finishers, I forget mm-hmm. which it is, get a black shirt and je- usually get to go to the top of the mountain. Um, but for safety reasons, they turn after 130, they close or 160, they close the they close the mountaintop and those finishers finish uh, turn around and finish the you know, the marathon distance by going back down the mountain to this, to the second finish. And the top finish is the black finish and the bottom mm-hmm. finish is the white finish. Yeah. And they, and your t-shirt, you know, your finisher t-shirt reflects what, which one you were mm-hmm. in a, in a really brutal kind of way. <laughs> yeah. I remember at the SOS Trapon, you get a, you get a finisher's towel, right? Yeah. And then apparently in town, the, the, the towels are so legendary, like at the swimming pool area, like if somebody tries to use your towel and they're not an SOS triathlete finisher, you 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 give them crap. You're like, you can't use this towel. You didn't, <laughs> you didn't do the triathlon. Yeah. I will say back in the Ironman days, when I they give they give the first 10 finishers really big towels. Uh-huh. And I remember my first top 10 at Louisville, and I got mm-hmm. the big towel. Yeah. And I was like, Oh hell yes! Yeah, I got the big towel, mm-hmm. and I remember. I still to this day probably have it somewhere. I bet you do, dude. Yeah, uh, yeah. It's, it's okay, packed so, away somewhere in the scrapbook. So you started the swim, and yes. what what was the water temp? You think? Um, like I think it's like fifteen degrees Celsius. They said, which is a mm-hmm. you know cold, like real freaking cold. Yeah, like fifties ish. I think mm-hmm. I would be my guess, like somewhere between like fifty and fifty five. Yeah. That's Alcatraz. Was, Alcatraz. Yeah, it's, yeah. It's yeah, it's it's a it's cold enough that they spray you with cold water so you don't have a heart attack when you jump in. Right. That's a smart idea. A 15 foot boat. Yeah, the jump yeah. in is 15 feet. Yeah. 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 Okay, so yeah, I remember at Alcatraz when we jumped in, uh you go you hit the water and it's kind of like those diving birds, you know, when you see video of that, you go down <laughs> and then you see other people like splashing in around you and just hoping that nobody hits you. And then eventually, <laughs> with all the bubbles coming in as people are piercing the water, you know, and then, yeah. um, then you come up to the surface and, and try to get your head above water as fast as you can, because it's so cold that yeah. you want to build up some body heat first before you start dipping your head in. So did you, you've got a, you've got a wetsuit sponsor. What wetsuit did you wear? Yeah. Uh, Xterra wetsuits. I've been Sweet. with them for my whole career and awesome. I got their best, baddest uh, wetsuit and it was totally fine. I was very comfortable. I also got their gloves and cap. Oh, okay. yeah, yeah and booties yeah so oh you swam with booties on too is that cold yeah yeah dude it's cold cold yeah i've seen people uh come out of the water right and just uh, uh gcn the guy one of the announcers for gcn did it a couple years ago yes i remember that yep. yeah and so that made for really good video coverage because they do a good job mm-hmm. and so yeah sure. just coming out of the water kelp man too 
they come out of the mm-hmm. water just shivering and like trying yeah. to warm up and some people quit right there <laughs> well you can't warm up that's that's a yeah myth. and it's, it's like overcast de- right yeah yeah it's like 35 degrees and raining when you get out of the water or 35 degrees and overcast or whatever or 40 yeah. degrees so there is no um, you don't you but luckily they do have an answer for that which is a um like three thousand foot climb out of t1 yeah that'll do through it. like all those like switchbacks and you climb for about two hours Wow. The first two hours of the bike literally is a, you could ride a small, you use your small chain ring only. You could, wow. it's, yeah. I mean, and you're like sitting up and you're working hard just to, I mean, you're just, it's, it's two hours of straight up climbing. You don't, um, yeah. I think it's like, you don't see flat until you're like, I don't know, 40 K or something into the bike. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So then you, uh, we got this warning for 10 minutes left, but we'll, we'll start another meeting. So, uh, in a little bit. So then, um, what place did you come out of the water in? I think I was told I was 15th. Okay. That's, so, that's really nice. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm going up against really, and also I've gone pretty easy. Um, I had found myself in a pack of like very competent swimmers mm-hmm. and I was sitting behind them. So I decided to go easy and not push the swim because mm-hmm. so i just was strategic about it but it was like a low zo two swim for me which was great so to come out 15th and have done no work uh right. was real was also felt really good because i knew it was going to be a long day yeah because yeah. i know like if i'm doing a race it's going to be really hard at the end you know and that's any iron man for me because <laughs> of the run <laughs> but to go like really easy on the swim um because with uh with norseman you've got that it's just uphill like so much yeah Okay, so then you came out fifteenth. Were you were you freezing cold coming out of the water and needed to warm up on the bike, shivering, or were you? Well, I was freezing oh, right. cold, but I knew that it didn't matter. So I just I I learned this in Canada, man, with uh-huh. the year that I did it uh, in October because it was so cold. It doesn't. There's no getting warm. You just gotta have to change as quickly as you can and start biking. The only way to get to warm up is like inner heat, right? So right. you have to just, and this actually becomes more important later out of T2, but out of T1, I knew it. So it turns out I had a pretty good transition time. And I think I got out on the bike even farther up than I came out of the water. So that was good. I passed some people, I think in transition and then out on the bike, um, we started climbing and it became obvious that there were some very serious athletes there. And I well, just, yeah. Sebastian Keenley was there like world, yeah, he, Ironman he world champion. Yep. Over many years ago. And then Tim DeBoom. Yeah, he had won the race. He won Kona twice, and he had he had done that. He had after that after winning Kona, done Norseman. Not this year, but you know, uh-huh. in years past. And the uh, the um, Ultraman World Champion was there. Uh, actually, I ended up having breakfast with him by Who? coincidence. Who's that? Uh, Jordan, Jordan. Uh, from uh, from Canada. Jordan uh, Byron Byrne. I'm gonna get his name last name wrong. Um, his first name's Jordan. Really nice guy. Oh, uh, is it the guy Byrne? Um, Gordo Byrne? No, no, he's. He's also a famous ex, uh, famous Ultraman guy, yeah. but uh, way older. Uh, yeah, but no, it's um, hold on, I can't remember his name. Gordo Byrne is the guy that I looked up all. Oh, he published uh, so much Jordan, info. Uh, Barden, Barden, B-R-Y-E-N, Burnden, Burnden, Jordan. Okay. But yeah, he uh, he was second in Canada. He's a badass. He's um, he won Ultraman. He was there. He was gonna. He went on. You know, he's an amazing swimmer, like phenomenal swimmer. So there were like some really good, you know, good good athletes. And anyways, and a lot of them decided to just crush me on the bike. So the first, 
by the time I got to the, let's just put it this way. By the time I got to the top of that climb, uh-huh. I was like, I, I had to reassess my goals. Cause I came out of the, I kind of went to this thinking like it's, it's a bucket list race. I want to do it. Who knows how it'll go. I just want to have a good day. Mm-hmm. And then I came out of the water and was, they were like, you're 15th. And I was like, Oh man. Oh, I'm now like, you got to race it. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you get lollygag when you're top 15 at a world yeah. championship yeah right this is the world championships like i, I want to go so i start riding but then by the time we got to the cl- top of the climb i i suspect i was not in the top you know 30 anymore um the first climb and then out yeah. on the on the flat section it continued to go from bad to worse um but it was gorgeous and the Next couple of climbs, again, continued to see me losing places. My biking is just not at the level it, as some of these other, you know, really top athletes. And then oh, what bike, what kind of bike were you on? Oh, I was on a Valdora, but they're unfortunately out of business. So yeah. it's a, it's so, a good bike, great bike, but it wasn't a bike's fault. And what then, about, uh, um, what about, uh, wheels and stuff? Oh, nothing fancy, just yeah. stock. Um, Are you still riding, uh, tubulars? Are you, have you switched over to? clinchers tubular i never you... was a tubular guy i'm clinchers all the way team clincher 100 percent. oh you were tubular for a while you I wasn't get it. um whatever for me i'm assigning this to you it's, it's okay a... well that's still <laughs> it's still not true <laughs> <laughs> okay i swear man um, you told me one time to ride tubulars or something anyway possibly told you that, but i definitely definitely never did it <laughs> yeah, you're trying to get me to slow down so um uh, Okay, so, okay, so then, nothing special on a bike, right? Just like no. Um, the only thing the the only thing of note is the following huge misfire by me, yeah. which is you after all this climbing, you have to you descend for the last twenty miles, right? And, and because it's a descent into T two, there it's a no. You have your own. This is kind of weird, but you have your own uh, support car, kind of like the Tour de France. Yeah, you don't, I was going to ask no, you if you, you still do that. Yeah. yeah so so. I sent my car after, after the 152 K mark. Right. So with Mm -hmm. about 28 K to go or approximately 30 miles, you have, um, you have, uh, you have no more feeds. So my car went ahead Mm -hmm. right after that happened, it started pouring. Yeah. And didn't grab my raincoat. And this was a huge time. I got to the bottom. I was so unbelievably hypothermic mm-hmm. i was shivering so yeah. violently on the descent that i couldn't keep control of the bike i had to like go like 10 miles an hour downhill so that i didn't go f- like off the road and like yeah. at this point like 30 people just came screaming by me um thankfully none of them hit me um <laughs> but all of them had raincoats and i was so bummed because i got to the bottom and in t2 my team support guy comes up to me and he doesn't say anything, but mm-hmm. I can look, I can look at him looking at me and mm-hmm. he looks terrified yeah. at what he's looking at, which apparently is me, which is not good. I am now like the wrong color. I'm later told I'm like incoherent. I'm yeah. shaking violently. Did anybody which, get video footage of it for you to see something? No, he actually, he actually was going to, and then he th- thought that Too it was concerning. <laughs> yeah. He was like, he didn't want like yeah. the dead, you know, like why people don't think out of respect take photos of like corpses right it's not yeah they're like yeah, that's we got, what was yeah they need to focus on keeping you alive not taking pictures of you well that was the other thing so yeah. the medical staff sees me mm-hmm. and apparently i'm wandering the wrong way out oh of the yeah that's good that's a good move <laughs> <laughs> and they come up to me but apparently that's a like, strong move in norseman start walking <laughs> off in the <laughs> okay so Go the ahead. medical staff but like to them incoherent 
English is just how Americans talk. Oh, okay. Right. Yeah. So like yeah. they're, they don't. And and then I manage, I think I like in the back of my recesses, I'm like, how do I, I want it to continue. Right. So I'm like, how do I trick them? And mm-hmm. I give a two thumbs up and to a European two thumbs up is like the get out of jail free card of all get out of jail free cards. So I'm like, Oh, two thumbs up. Everything must be fine. Oh, super you know? fine. Yeah. Two okay. thumbs up. He must be yeah. totally okay. <laughs> <laughs> So I then I then get turned around and go back out the right way. I, I start to like hobble really quickly because I don't want them to change their minds. And so I, I sneak out of transition and I start running. And I'm uh, still wearing at this point everything I own, even yeah. though I'm and eventually like 5K in, I stop shaking and I start to like again, it's that you gotta just start moving. Like you That's can't. True. Yeah, you're right. The only thing that gets you going is like is 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 work. So Unfortunately, at this point, I've lost a zillion spots and I've definitely am not running my best run, but I'm uh, I'm moving like I feel good. I mean, like I'm or not good, but I'm like, I'm not walking like I'm I'm out there running and I'm, you know, I'm passing people and competitive again. And that felt good. And, you know, not being on the bike, freezing felt good. And then and the first half of the run is actually the easiest part of the course. It's like, I don't know, 15 miles or so of flat. It's mm-hmm. not a big deal. But then you get to a place that they call Zombie Hill, and that's the base of the mountain. Yeah. So the first, I don't know, 15K of the climb is this zombie hill and it's paved. And mm-hmm. at that point, I'm feeling better and better. So I start power walking. I'm passing people. I'm pretty good at like hike hiking and not getting demoralized. I think a lot of triathletes, if they once they start walking in an Ironman, they do this like stroll of like dejection you know mm-hmm. they're just sad that they're not running almost so it's not swim bike walk it's swim bike run you know like yeah. they just they do this really really like mopey sad self-loathing stroll of yeah. and that's so slow compared to like a strong power hike marching like a soldier right and i just hey, learned wait like, let's pause here let's pause here yep. and start up another meeting because i think okay. we're gonna lose it cool yeah but i mean i live in the five boroughs so True. it's a love you song get- to us why would we don't want Texans to like that album? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> that wasn't that album. Not for it's you. Not for you, man. <laughs> Texans have enough crap that we name our own ourselves for ourselves. It is actually fair. It yeah. is very fair. Yeah. Across. Okay, so we had uh, technical uh, difficulty. We're back online, and while I was fixing stuff, one. Uh, we had a funny uh, offline chat. We came up. John and I both uh, probably have attention uh, issues. And <laughs> in the midst of our conversation, we came up with a good name for a cat. I came up with placebo. placebo. <laughs> Would be a funny name. You see, Panacea is yours. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's good. We, we, we have the important conversations here. And so, um, <laughs> and then also, I remember, dude, when I did Wildflower, I swam too hard. And then I got into the um, the uh, transition area and I wandered around and almost went down the wrong, I went the wrong way on the bike chute. I went out the the inn on the bike chute and they had to turn me around. <laughs> That's amazing. That's really hard to do because you're in like a the bottom of like a bowl. Yeah. I'm kind of gifted that way. <laughs> getting, I, I, I think race, uh, my hot take on what's wrong with races and everything is just putting people 
uh, at turns and at, at, at every possible area where an athlete could go the wrong way. And then, and then also making sure that person is proactive, you know, like this way, this way, and not just stand there, you know, like they do sometimes. So, okay. But anyway, you're on zombie Hill. Yeah. So we get to, yeah, we get to zombie Hill. I'm starting to feel better. I'm, I'm power hiking. Some people are doing that like dejected, sad stroll because, um, that's in their minds. If they're not running, they're not racing. They're in tourist mode now. You're like, I'm still, I'm still racing. Yeah. And I, I just have like a, I, again, like I, this is kind of, cause I've done Canada man, which, you know, which is kind of along the same ilk where, you know, at mm-hmm. one point winning that race for a long time and I've had, you know, some pretty good results there. And then at um, Spartan races, right. Like nobody runs the whole, you know, I don't know, 40 miles or whatever it is. Like it's all, you know, up and down giant ski mountains and stuff. So there's always, you, you expect to hike, you, you plan it. So anyway, so I'm hiking, I'm feeling good. One guy does go run by me and then a promptly about 50 meters ahead of me vomits everywhere. So I, I think <laughs> so you're like, that's the wrong strategy. <laughs> yeah. Um, Don't run that fast. Yeah. Okay. Um, but yeah, so we get, but unfortunately we got, so, you know, an hour and a half goes by my, my team guy, my crew guy, John, who, by the way, big shout out to him, man. Like, the only thing harder than doing Norseman is crewing for Norseman. Yeah. How do they got, crew on the run? Like, did you, you uh, were on, how do they get ahead of you? Yeah. I drove every mile and I pulled over, fit, does a feed, drives, pulls over. Oh, so y'all aren't on the trail yet, though. Cause like the end no, of the race is on no, a trail. This, yeah. This is, okay. at the, we're supposed to hit the trail at 30, at 32K. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're allowed to join you. Mm-hmm. And then you have a, they give, they have a pack, you have a pack, and you run up the rest of the way yeah i remember seeing all the packs in the finishing videos over the years yeah, yeah everybody's wearing some kind of camelback running yeah pack well yeah. it's like a there's a packing list in there of mandatory stuff and if anybody's going to do this race two yeah. things everything they tell you to bring you really actually need to bring like yeah. this isn't to like mess around with this stuff they're not like i i remember they were like you have to have bike lights of a certain of a certain illumination and i was like i'll just use my silly little crappy ones mm-hmm. and then i was like you know what they're norwegian they're europeans they're like they're serious about rules i'll get the good ones and then i got there and i realized like i was going to be riding through a dark tunnel i needed mm-hmm. the real light so they yeah. don't they don't they don't tell you to bring stuff unless they unless you really need it so anyways so the backpack is filled with all this stuff like jacket you know raincoat emergency blanket headlamp you know stuff that's like survival stuff so th- those packs are heavy but they're they're critical mm-hmm. so anyways we get to but unfortunately me and him didn't get to go up to the top of the mountain because at the trailhead which is approximately 5k to go um there had been lightning so they turned everybody around oh, okay. and so we said we all turned around and ran 5k downhill now fortunately mm-hmm. for me i'm because of the spartan race stuff and some other things i think i'm just a good downhill runner mm-hmm. so i i actually opened up my stride and started feeling really good i had a great downhill 5k um, yeah. i probably maybe five ten people which was felt pretty good so and then in yeah. this race like i keep forgetting like five ten people is a lot because it's only yeah. like 300 uh, something people and the, they allow yeah. in yeah yeah okay so anyways i think i finished third american i was you know comfortably in the top 100 I probably could have snipped into the top 50 if I didn't have that hypothermic episode, but whatever. Mm-hmm. I'm pretty happy with the way it went, and I'm just really happy to have done this 
epic bucket list race, you know, it's not like, you know, I'm 48 years old now. It's not like, um, Oh Lord. You know, difference between being 20th or 90th at a world championship, you know, yeah. you're at the championships, you're doing this cool thing. You're doing the, you know, you're doing this epic race and mm -hmm. you just want to be done. And I felt great about crossing that finish line and doing this race that I've always dreamed about. Um, and didn't ever think I would ever get a chance to do so. I'm really excited. So if you get in next year, they're going to have to put handrails up there for you because you're so old now. <laughs> they, uh, yeah, I is there a rope? Know. Is there rope actually to hold on to in places? I mean, the mountain is sketchy looking and like no, rubble. I don't, I, I don't think so, man. I think it's like, you know, oh, there is die. something like you, there's no way down. Like you have to, you have everybody that goes Yeah. Up, so there, you have down. to walk part of the way down. And then there for the athletes, there's a gondola, but for the, for the uh, crew guy, he has to run down or she has to uh, run down. Oh my God. So yeah, do like, you get in that? Do you get any kind of preferred entry next year or is it all over? Again? No, no. You have to qualify. So. Okay. I think so. Yeah. I actually don't know the answer to that. Um, yeah. I mean, I think I would have to enter the lottery and all that. Um, unless wow. I do another race this year, which I am not doing another X try race this year. <laughs> that, that was an, oh, not this year. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That was enough. That was well, I guess but, if you did well enough at the Norseman, then you could come back, right? If you qualified. If I don't know if you qualify for Norseman at Norseman. I don't I don't yeah. know the answer to that. The answer might be yes. I just don't know. So I, I do know that if people want a similarly cold experience, uh, Keltman is really yep. freaking cold. Yeah. Um, Except this year where it was freakishly hot. Oh, it was. Oh, I didn't know. Yeah, they actually had people going like deep into the red and overheating this year. Wow. Okay. Yeah, the locals are not used to heat, and apparently Europe had this crazy heat wave. Yeah, like eighty degrees. Everybody DNF because it was hot <laughs> last year. Yeah. The year before that, everybody DNF because it was too cold. It makes a huge difference. Some a strategy or a thing I've noticed here is we'll train all winter because we can in Texas, right? And then so we get really fit, and then the first hot race of the year, we completely melt down because we don't mm -hmm. have the we don't have the cold weather exposure or we're, we're too cold weather exposed. Right. And then it's all about blood. Your body's carrying too much, um, blood plasma and all that stuff. So yeah, yeah. Okay. So what's your next, what's your next race? So I have a huge to me race uh -huh. that I'm locally, which is a sprint triathlon in Mayo pack, New York called the triathlon. It's mm -hmm. uh, it honors a local kid who, uh, passed away from cancer and, um, it's it's really important to the Ty Lewis Campbell Foundation, and I'm the coach of their sister organization, Team Continuum, which raises money in honor of that child. So, right, that, yeah, November 16th, Mayo Pack, New York. I highly, highly, highly recommend it. If anybody listening is doing the doing the uh, considering doing the race, give me a give me a shout. I'll uh, I'll uh, I'll bring something special for you if you come. So, um, Team Continuum, and then yep. your um, so it's called Time In. Like, how do you spell that? Tyathlon, T Y A T H L O N. Tyathlon. Oh, was the kid's name Ty uh, or Ty? Yeah. Yeah. yeah okay. Tyler. So yeah. yeah. So it's the it's great. The, the the town goes bonkers for it. If you've never done a really community invested sprint triathlon, mm -hmm. you, it's I've never seen a race where every part of the town is behind it because everybody in the town knows the knew the kid and knows the family. Yeah. So. The police, the firemen, the local shops, the mm -hmm. the local athletes, every single person in this town on this day is all about this race. Wow. Like it's really like, you know, the high school cheerleading squads out there. Like it's 
it's the coolest community event ever. And they've yeah. actually, even through just a small sprint triathlon, they've raised millions of dollars over the years. So that's awesome. That's, yeah, it's amazing. So that's September 16th. I'm really excited about that. Um, they'll probably finish off the season and then we'll figure out 2024 sometime between now and 2024. <laughs> right. So that's right. That's exactly what you'll do. So <laughs> yeah, me too. The, um, uh, you also do uh, coaching. So you do triathlon, running, and yeah, else. all the above. So I've coached triathlon um, and as well as uh, road cycling because I'm a pretty good, I was at one point an okay road cyclist. Mm -hmm. And um, and also uh, running because I was, a, you know, with the Spartan races, kind of did a stint as a pro runner. So mm -hmm. definitely uh, have a bunch of uh, runners, a bunch of ultra runners, and but mostly triathletes um, that I coach. And that's all off my website, johnhirsch.pro. Mm -hmm. uh all j-o-h-n-h-i-r-s-c-h right. dot pro but um yeah wait you got a dot pro domain i do have a dot pro domain i can't domain. have one of those damn well you, you don't have a you don't you didn't race pro for 15 i years. i got the towel but i don't have the shirt and i don't have the dot pro yeah i mean you know what are you gonna do Dang it. i got a whole i got a whole stack of pro cards oh from, from over the so with, oh, I, that for the for the website <laughs> or dollars, I forget which it was. That's such an awesome domain. I love it. Okay, so then, <laughs> oh, dude, I'm so jealous. That's so cool. So, <laughs> I didn't think about that, like, because they can't because they released a whole bunch of domain names. You know, like mm -hmm. it was like ten years ago, five years ago. It's like a whole bunch of crazy stuff. Yeah. They went nuts with it. I didn't see dot pro in there. That is awesome. Okay, yeah, so cool. we're gonna do yeah. hot takes. Okay, you, I gave you a little bit of heads up, and I'm gonna I'm gonna give you a. I'm going to ask you a hot take towards the end with no heads up. Ooh, I'm scared. <laughs> but okay. So you, what are like the, the things right now that you are the worst things about triathlon and then the best things about triathlon? Oh man. I forgot what I actually, I actually blasted you with a few ideas. I know. Let me look it up. It's in our chat. Let's see. Oh yeah. I remember now. Okay. So the, does it have to be one or can I have a few, a few, you can have quick. a few. I'm seeing a okay. few. <laughs> you went <laughs> Thing that like a paragraph <laughs> the number one thing that kind of hurts my heart uh, is just a little like institutional memory and history the sport's been able to retain mm -hmm. and so i love in cycling how they and marathoning too now where they have these like epic classics right these monuments of their sport you know mm -hmm. cycling it's the tour of de france it's perry roubaix it's the, the classics in marathoning it's new york it's boston it's paris it's you know london it's um you know berlin you know mm -hmm. these, these races london london marathon even houston houston's got a famous marathon for because yeah, uh, it's so flat yeah yeah these famous races yeah. are developing their own history and mm -hmm. you know triathlon just doesn't care like you know like you mentioned wildflower that was a, one of the great races of all time yeah. and it just it vanished right it like it's gone it slowly died and it it you know now it's gone or or even you know they've moved kona you know they're moving half of kona off of half of the world championships off of kona and you know races like louisville ironman louisville you know these races that were big deals are just you know started to had a decade of history are just gone now and i, I just and I, i'm really sad to see that these you know a few of a few of them are kind of still around placid obviously has this very long history being the first you know it used to be called ironman usa and i did it the first year they had it in 99 
And, you know, that race has survived, but like, there's nothing guaranteeing it will. Right. So right. I just mean that there isn't more institutional history kind of, of in the sport and we haven't developed these kind of, you yeah, know, a lot of people don't even know that, that where, where they are having the, um, is it the men's is it Nice? And, yeah. Or yeah. A lot of people don't know that apparently, uh, it was before my time, but Nice was like huge in the Ironman world. Like it was uh, Mike Pig and and uh, with Mark yeah. Allen and stuff won one Nice all the time. It wasn't a full Ironman. It was a it was the Nice Triathlon, and it was its uh -huh. own. And it was a little shorter than Kona, but it was um, and it was a, it was like a month before. So it's everybody did that. Everybody did Kona, and mm -hmm. everybody did uh, Zofagen. Our man's mm -hmm. office famous yeah. duathlon in a uh, in Switzerland. Those were the three big races of the eighties, and Pono was the only one that didn't have prize money. <laughs> <laughs> so the other two were actually kind of more important back then. Yeah, they were. Yeah, imagine Pono wasn't a big deal compared to Nice and a duathlon. Yeah, but like you said, most people don't know this stuff because yeah, it's just um, and, and, Ironman and or triathlons kind of coming, big triathlons kind of come and go, like. Yeah. That's, that kind of saddens me, you know? So I, that kind of saddens me. The other thing that's always been a problem in our sport, so I don't think this is new, it's just how expensive everything is. Yeah. You know, the the, the new bikes are all like, you know, we're, they're easily 10 grand now. Mm -hmm. And that's just making it hard for millennials and zennials to get into the sport. Yeah. And I just feel like when I go to races, the number of athletes that are over 40 and the number of athletes that are under 40 seems not healthy yeah exactly. not healthy for the future of the sport yeah exactly and i just it makes me sad i'd really like to mm -hmm. see a way to kind of curb that if possible or or i mean maybe it's not even possible but just some i'd just like to see some sort of um mm -hmm. some sort of way to kind of bring the price of the sport back into check a little bit. I mean, I try to do my own, but I mean, my coaching is only 125 bucks a month. Now I'm a third of the cost of most coaches. So yeah, I try to be mindful of that so that I can coach people who maybe otherwise wouldn't have a coach. That's true. Or, yeah. You know, and I'd love to see people trying to, you know, but yeah, the, the price of the sport is just, it's yeah. just really deep. So that's always been kind of an ongoing problem. So I think those are the two things that make me most worried about mm -hmm. the sport. Um, but I will say the thing I like most about the sport is one, I'm really keen on the rise of these X tri races. They're mm -hmm. they remind me of the old days of triathlon. They're run by locals who love their, who love the pat, who do it for as a passion project. You know, the, the race entries are very reasonable. The amount of money that goes back into the race seems to be incredibly high. They've right. run fantastic races and, um, they seem to be real passion projects for the mm -hmm. race director. I love that. I love seeing that in the sport. And I think you're seeing versions of that, not just with the X-Tri series, which is kind of the iron distance, long ultra versions, but I see a lot of sprint triathlons that, that are just awesome. Like I've been going to a lot of small local races and just seeing how well run the ones that have sort of, you know, I think there was a little bit of uh, I think COVID did some, had some attrition but the ones that survived are really good good races and they're locally operated they're run by either you know a local charity or a local race director or a local club and they're they're fantastic events and i think that's really healthy for the sport and i see that and i think oh the sport's doing good things and is really vibrant and strong and fun you know those races are super super fun we have a ton yeah. of them 
I hope that's true everywhere. But if you live in the New York, New England, Northeast kind of area, you can find a good sprint triathlon every weekend. And each one is, you know, pretty well, pretty well, for the most part, they're very well run and they have a really great vibe. And, right. You know, for me, my life, I just want the vibes, man. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> so, yeah, what my observation with what happened is when Ironman came along, they standardized the distances. Okay. So then <laughs> what that did is you could compare races around the world because even though they're different terrains and stuff but you're like everything was standardized it's kind of like the mcdonald's or the chipotle or whatever of mm -hmm. of triathlons right and so you knew what you were get, you could sign up for a race really far away and you knew what you were getting right it, and that's what that was their success mm -hmm. and then uh so because it was standardized but then with the money being funneled back into you know profitability for a company Right. And that kills it because like what you, one thing you just said was the money at the local triathlons goes back into the local triathlons to make the triathlons better and, and right. unique. Yeah. Yeah. So, okay. If this is my hot take for you. Okay. If the spirit of gravel uh -huh. was a baby in your arms. Yes. <laughs> would you put it on a temple? and worship it or take it to the pool in the backyard and slowly submerge it and hold it under or let it run free around in your yard. Ooh, I think let it run free around in my yard. Yeah. Cause I think, I don't think, I don't think gravel. Uh, I think that's what gravel would want knowing what oh, I know yeah. gravel is. And I think gravel wants to like be free. I don't think gravel wants to be like, trapped in a in a job of being a god i think that you know it just it needs that freedom to run around the backyard yeah i i was thinking like what makes gravel interesting is because it's on gravel roads and it's so backcountry it can't be so refined and like kind of mm -hmm. like iron man did you know and i have a theory like maybe the future in triathlon is is um gravel because uh, didn't Jan Ferdino tried to put on one of those? Maybe he still yep. does a gravel triathlon. Yeah, and... I would love. That. I'm doing one, by the way. Oh yeah, there's a weird race uh, up in New Hampshire. That's I'll let you know how it goes. But there, yeah. half of the bike is gravel, and Sweet. then you run up a. It's a it's a short swim. It's a half mile swim, uh -huh. then a 20 mile bike. But I think or like 15 mile bike or something. About half of it's gravel, half of it's road. Yeah, and then run a trail up 1800 feet sweet yeah it looks it, like i was looking at the yeah. times are two hours total but I'll, i'm very curious how the how that goes yeah. um yeah everything in vermont and new Ham vermont especially but new hampshire they just everything's gravel like nobody because nobody yeah gravel gravel riding has totally revitalized and absorbed and just boomed with uh biking in north america for sure right mm -hmm. it is so much safer uh, so, biking and so much more enjoyable than road biking. hundred percent. And um, so, you know, how is it going to finally start bleeding over into triathlons is interesting mm -hmm. because I think everybody's getting gravel bikes as like their training bike. And, mm -hmm. uh, and that's what we did. And then, so, um, you know, we've done a bunch of off-road triathlons that are more mountain bike based, 
you know, so that's definitely, I mean, obviously, right, Xterra's and such. Sure, forever. I actually did Xterra Maui and Xterra Richmond a few times, which was a big East Coast championship. The yeah. problem with Xterra was it required, they, they make those courses real. Like, they're yeah. real, real. <laughs> like, the Maui <laughs> one is nuts, dude. I came, yeah. I came down. I came down a screaming fast descent into a three foot vertical uh, drop off wall. And they were like, good luck. Like yeah. you can't do that. You don't like me. it. Get off your bike. And you're like, well, how am I supposed to know this is here? Yeah. Well, no, it's, it's too late. <laughs> I love everything about that race, but, but, yeah. but the problem is that's going to reach a very small pe number of people because most true. people can't handle that, but gravel, everybody mm -hmm. can have the technical skills to ride gravel for the most part. I mean, Vermont, has I think, yeah well like gravel might be more gravel might be more welcoming to people with even less skills than road biking actually when i think about it yeah because it's such a safer learning environment it's great and here's the other thing too that there's a there's an off-road triathlon series in hartford uh-huh genius about it is they can do the entire thing in an on in a park on a closed course they don't need permits they mm -hmm. need to they don't mess with traffic they don't need volunteers at every corner they literally can just go out like you do with a cyclocross race or a mountain bike race right yeah and horse and then you don't have any um you don't have to worry about anything else mm -hmm. and it makes it so much easier from a logistical perspective and cost perspective to put the race on so gravel if you find especially talking about like a sprint right uh-huh if you find a what three mile stretch of dirt road that mm -hmm. happens to be somewhere accessible to a swim mm -hmm. you do that twice and you have the entire bike portion and you don't have to close anything you don't have to you know there might be like one or two locals that like you know live on that road but that's about it yeah it, it makes they're it gonna come so, out and watch <laughs> yeah i mean it's gonna make it so much easier for race directors yeah. so i think you're gonna see that i think you're gonna start seeing the raw i think you're gonna start seeing that yeah. Um, I'm, I'm waiting to see how somebody figures it out because, um, what the, I'm wearing the t-shirt from it. Um, a few years ago I did this triathlon and they, they've stopped doing it the way that they should do it is, um, it was a, one of the options was the half Ironman. Okay. But, mm -hmm. or half, half distance, what is, whatever they call it. So the swim was, um, 1.2 miles, half Ironman swim mm -hmm. in a lake. And then there was a mountain bike trail that was six miles okay any, any okay anyway three miles six miles anyway something like that and then maybe it was four miles it was pretty short and then um you alternated a lap of the mountain bike course and then the run course was a trail run like on jeep trail um around the lake when and it was like two miles okay oh, so you I, alternate bike run bike run <laughs> bike run and so the swim it's just one swim right and you get that yeah. out of the way and then you bike and run and the bike's longer than the run like it should be in a mm -hmm. uh I, well in a standard ironman so then and then until until you hit five hours and whoever has the most laps wins whoa that's weird and i was like because that because that's how you make it like a half Ironman, right? You yeah. make it most people finish a half Ironman somewhere around five hours. Okay. Yeah. Like average. And then so that's how you do it. And I was like, yeah. man, that was freaking cool. And um they did it one year and then they shortened it to Olympic and then now it's just a sprint. And I'm so mad. I was like, man, it's be so cool. <laughs> so but uh yeah, and then Heather Jackson. 
uh, what do you think about her jumping into um, gravel racing? Oh. Yeah, it looks awesome. She's going to kill it. And then so. uh, also she didn't she win like a trail run? She did a trail run. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's her one. thing. Yeah. Right. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. I think one of the fun things about triathlon is when you're, is that because you have these, you know, this fitness in three different disciplines, you can go and explore like mm -hmm. I did, right? You'd be like, I'm going to do ultra running. For me, I did ultra running with obstacles because I needed to, I didn't want to lose to a bunch of super skinny guys. Mm -hmm. So like, oh, I can't, you're right. Yeah. You slow yeah. them down. <laughs> yeah. I can't, I can't, you know, top ultra guy but i can beat a top ultra guy when he has to carry a hundred pounds of sandbags yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah like so that was pretty that was you know those dudes aren't exactly upper body uh uh strong so you know but like so you can do these cool things right like heather jackson going to um ultra running or you know i had a couple of i, I coached a pro female and she went and decided to become a cat one cyclist she mm -hmm. could just you know and and I, there was a Chris Lieto, right? He yeah. was second. He raced professional as a roadie for a bit too. Mm -hmm. uh, Spencer Smith, a pro from the '90s, did the same thing. Went to road cycling for a while. Like it's you, you have these options, and I think that's fun. I think it's fun to try it, explore it, keeps it fresh. You know, like you're doing gravel racing now after you know a long stint of triathloning, and I think that's I think that's really healthy. I think people need to embrace that. You know. Yeah. Okay. Let's let's um let's wrap it up with. You have, uh, I don't know, have you improved your swim? Or are you just performing better after all these years? You and I have swam together a bunch. We and, have. And um, we, we'd like to go up one, against one each other. And, um, and it's fun. We tease each other a lot. If you want to see we on Instagram where I post like an awesome swim, John will make a comment like, well, that's nice job. Why didn't you swim faster or something? Well, no, I mean, I <laughs> Um, and then had, I tease you too, back and forth. Yeah, you had but, a nice one, three minutes slower than the exact slow. Time. Yeah. But but the thing about that is that like three minutes, when you think about it, that's just enough mm -hmm. time to get out, mm -hmm. change clothes, crack open a Coke and stand there and laugh at you. No. <laughs> <laughs> I was wondering where you were going with that. I was like, you're being so nice all of a second. <laughs> okay. So anyways, yeah, John and I literally have swam side by side in a pool, like way too, way too much. So oh, the, but I can't wait to do it again sometime. So um, you swam at, was it Lake Placid? Yes. My my personal best ever is 5406 at Lake Placid. That's freaking One. fast. Yeah. 5406 is pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. That's nice. I swam 56 something at, I think, 5637, maybe, mm -hmm. last year in Canada, man. So what is your what is your swim training look look like you you work part-time still right yeah i do i still i'm still like i mean i'm coaching more and yeah. but yeah i'm still not a full-time i'm still not full-time at you work you can't be I'm a full-time pro or full you're in between yeah, but, i mean i'm not entirely i mean i'm 48 i'm not entirely sure i'm a pro athlete anymore either i'm some <laughs> i think i think, sure. I think you're elite. nobody yeah. told me yeah i think i retired during covid and like literally no one told me yeah but it i i to be, yeah, I mean, to be perfectly honest, right? At some point when I went to the Spartan races, I lost my USAT pro card because you have to uh -huh. renew it and I wasn't racing. And then I raced Israel as a pro. They just gave me a elite, like one day license to race right. Israel. And then I started doing the X-Try races and those are just open races. They don't care. There's no, right. pro 
like, there's no pro to feel that Norseman. Like you jump off the boat, you fucking go. Yeah. Every <laughs> you jump, go. Like yeah, I love those. I love because you have to yeah. make that choice, right? You have to sit there and go, am I, am I good enough to race open? You know. Yeah. Um, well, no. And it, it then yeah, so then you have to. It's a question you have to ask yourself: Am I am I gonna freaking race open or not? And um, I've done a ton um, of mountain biking racing, mm -hmm. both um, short stuff, you know, like regular mountain bike races yep. and then marathon mountain biking. And they right. have that. They have like these open categories and age group and stuff. Mm -hmm. And un so road cycling does, you know, cat, very, very uh, specific graduation yep. program from oh. cat three to, to two to mm -hmm. one or whatever. And um, mountain biking is the opposite. <laughs> they they're the categories exist but you can just put yourself in them and <laughs> you're gonna learn real quick you're gonna learn in one race whether or not you are cat two or not you know oh, and um i raced cat two in a couple mountain bike races um because they that was the only way to get the longer distance mm -hmm. and i wanted to do the long distance cat one uh -huh. cat two and some of the longer <laughs> stuff and then uh cat Maybe cat two, maybe cat three. You eventually settle in. Like, which one do you get? Like, top. Um, you don't win because if once you start winning too much, then you need to move up. Right. But where you're combating against other people towards the end of the race, mm -hmm. it's like the perfect category for you. Nice. And then, um, so then, um, you were. So, what's your? How often? How often do you swim? So this is. I probably was this year was the least I've ever swam. Mm -hmm. I would say I was as I was getting into Norseman, maybe 15k a week. That's not bad. That's really good. No, I mean it's okay. If when I was when I swam 5406, I was swimming 20k a week. Okay. Week, right. week, after, week after week after week. I mean yeah. that was like like That's religion. A lot. That's a lot. Yeah. 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 Well, you kind of it's funny as you age, mm -hmm. you don't age in S in swim bike and run equally. You right. keep the swimming because it's so technique based. Yeah. So like my swim times haven't dropped off. Like I swam a 750 in a sprint and I held a 110 pace. Like that was, mm -hmm. I can still do that. You know, you mm -hmm. really don't notice your age until you do the bike and then the run. Um, I think you keep getting faster on the bike until you hit your mid fifties. You think that's true? I think I saw studies that show that you can keep oh. getting faster and faster and faster on longer stuff, you can keep building a FTP basically is what they say until, um, until your mid fifties to sixties, because it's, yeah. it's, um, it's so, you know, it's supportive mm. and it's not even technique. <laughs> it's just right, right. straight outright power. So you can keep getting stronger. Huh. Um, yeah. But then running, like you fall apart because you're like, it's elasticity based yeah, and yeah, durability based and stuff. So, so at this point in my life at 48, like I'm don't need to swim as much as I used to. And with uh -huh. overall training volume needing to go down to aid in recovery, I just swim a little less. And I've noticed that it doesn't really affect me, but I wouldn't uh -huh. recommend you didn't swim 20,000 yards a week for a decade. Uh -huh. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like 20 K, you know, a lot before yeah. I got to the point where I could skate by with, you know, 10 to 15 K a week. Yeah. I mean, honestly, when I look back at it, I think it's funny. Like I swam really hard for like three to four years in high school mm -hmm. and that's where I got good. So it's just three to four years, you know yeah, what yeah, I mean? All, and then yeah. since then I've swam 20, 30 years. 
<laughs> you know, like improving technique and improving technique and improving technique. So it doesn't take tons of work to get that good at swimming. No, and then you very, then you maintain I, it. I remember at your camp, we uh, were doing a swim workout with Rich Roll, and he jumped uh, in the having not swam at all and was just beautiful and effortless and dropped all of us. And there true. was like you, me, Jesse Stenslin, the I she was an ITU pro at the time. Yeah. Like I was pro at the time. Like we were good so you're a good, good age group swimmer. Like uh -huh. we were and we were training and he just he would you know, he swam division one athlete, you know? Yeah. Like he doesn't Stan you know, you Stanford swimmer, right? I think. Oh, did I lose you? Uh, no, I'm here. There you go. Yeah, he was a Stanford swimmer, I think. I think yeah, exactly. So like yeah. you just don't lose that. That's like for life. Yeah. That's what I'm counting on, dude. I want to be, there used to be years ago, an old guy that would show up at the pool with hearing aids in both ears and bent over. And um, he looked like he was about 90 years old. And I was like, I want, I want to be that guy. Oh yeah. When I'm By 90, the way, my goal is to be the fastest Ironman at 120 years old. <laughs> There's a guy at my pool who does that. Yeah. And as he hits the water, if he wants, he swims like a 150. But every mm -hmm. once in a while, he'll like he'll just look at you, uh -huh. or like made him a little salt, a little like surly, and yeah. he'll drop one fifteen. Yeah, nice. he'll have whatever he wants it. It's so it's so funny. Yeah, yeah he did that to me once because I was like, "Hey man, you're kind of swimming slow for this late." He's like, "Oh, you think so?" And then he crushed <laughs> it for like. <laughs> yeah, he's been there, done that, dude. He can crank that out anytime he wants. Yeah. That was great. All right, dude. Well, I'm super excited to have you back on the show. Yes, you're my, my first. Man. You're my first interview since the pandemic, and I took a break from making shows. This is awesome. Oh so, well, it's good to be back on the uh, uh -huh. back on the, back on the horse with I you, man. Couldn't, couldn't have a better first guest back on. This is awesome. Sweet. Yeah, so we need to do more. It's so great talk. People don't know, like you and I haven't even talked much um, verbally, like and with um, whatever since the pandemic started. So right. we got a lot of catching up to do. A lot of catching up. Yeah. Cool. This is very exciting. Um, okay. All right, cool. All right, I'll talk to, you talk to you later. Peace. All right, that was awesome, man. That was awesome. Yeah. Well, all right, all right, all right. Thank you, Mr. Hirsch, for joining us to tell us about Norseman and then covering a bunch of other topics. Always appreciate it. And I'm leaving the pool. We're going to wrap this show up with just a quick note on swimming and what's coming up in the next episode i'm now at the zentri mobile studios let's drop the tailgate throw all this wet stuff in the bed of the pickup truck what vehicle do you automatically assume is being driven by a total asshole dodge ram there we go all right next episode we are going to be going to san marcus where texas state is where kai is and be doing a bunch of bike rides there, learning more about the town, the situation. It's halfway between Austin and San Antonio. The cycling there is incredible. And I like to call it the Durango of Texas, or like the Boulder of Texas, where it's on the edge of the hill country. So you can choose whether you want for an easy day to go east and ride the rolling flatter terrain or you can go west just like in boulder and 
climb. I've been looking at his workouts, and the, the vertical is just nuts when he goes west. Way more than the, the rolling side like we've got over here in the prairie. Let's see. Also, we have <laughs> a new listener that I couldn't be more excited to have. It's Zentri Nurse. Emily has started to listen to episodes now. She's just now decided. And in typical Emily fashion, she's made lists of things that I should work on. <laughs> and I absolutely love it. But also, I'm like, baby, you're about 18 years too late. The show kind of is what it, what it is. And I've figured out the format that I like. And a lot of things about the show you think could be different or better. Oh, there's a nail. We do not need that in here. And, but over the years, I've tried different things and some stuff is not sustainable. And not everybody listens to every episode and not every episode is the same length. And no episode is the same. Some are interviews, some are not. She said, for example, you talked about those goggles too much last episode. And I said, well, yeah, that was the point. It was a review of the goggles. And then we're not going to talk about them much anymore after that. Except just on rare occasion. Like right now. But I just want to say one more time. It's so cool to have Emily finally listening. She's calling me and texting me from the road. She has to drive a lot for work. Say, I just listened to your episode or I'm listening to it. It's so cool. I get to hear you talk about all the things that you thought you told me, but you didn't. <laughs> so I get to be a companion with her. She's kind of a traveling nurse of sorts. Anyway, yeah, just wrapping up this swim. And I have a couple really cool comments. Let me go ahead and open up the carbonated water. One is that if you ever get in the water and start swimming and notice you have breathing problems pretty quickly and you think it's the chlorine, it's actually because you're dirty from the day before and you haven't showered off enough. Chlorine itself isn't the agent that uh, gives you breathing problems in the pool and burns your eyes. It's actually chlorine combining with your body oil and dirt. And that's why they tell you to rinse off before you get in the pool. And mostly it's for little kids that are dirty, filthy, little boys and girls that like to play in the dirt. And as triathletes, we're not much different. Where I went for a bike ride last night and I was covered in dirt, but I made sure I rinsed off last night. And then today it wasn't a problem. I mentioned it because a couple of swims ago, I had breathing problems right off the bat. And I was like, oh yeah, I should have rinsed off. Oh, and I also have a recovery bar right here. I have a choice. I have a cliff bar or an H-E-B bar. I think I'm going to eat the H-E-B. I'll spare you all most of the chewing. Ooh, it's got coconut in it. That's good for you. It's got lots of fiber. So since starting swimming with the form goggles... Sorry, choking on something there. The form goggles, I have increased my average speed by a couple seconds, maybe three, maybe four seconds. No, I'd say three per 100 yards average. And I like to swim just over 4,000 yards per swim. 4,000 yards, 4,200 yards, 
or one hour, whichever one comes first. And I'm swimming faster, but you can't just attribute it to the goggles. So the goggles are telling me every lap because it's a head up display in my eyesight, you know, how fast was my last lap? And I'm like, oh, don't do that. And then I'll try a different technique. And I'm like, okay, that's better. And it tells me my average pace per my set. So I know if to pick it up or not. It's really cool. So that plus the fact that when I was looking at my watch while I was swimming, that kind of messes up your stroke just a little bit. You're looking at your watch. You're having to roll a little bit extra, take a little bit more of a pause. And I don't have to do that anymore. And that allows me to work on my clean stroke a little bit better. Something that's really cool is how fast my stroke is without trying at all the first few laps. And then it slowly fades. And it's like, what is the difference? Is the form coming apart or I'm not pulling as hard? It is dramatic, the drop. But anyway, it's not just the information in the goggles. A lot of it is having something new to play with that makes working out more excited. If you find yourself stagnant, stuck in a lull, and you want to improve something, workouts aren't that interesting anymore, and you're using some kind of older gear, if you have the funds for it, consider upgrading something or getting some kind of toy to play with while you work out. Works great on biking. Get a new bike computer. You know, a new set of wheels. And it'll be half, you know, the the performance improvement of newer equipment. Stuff keeps getting faster and faster and faster. But also is the performance improvement by the fact that you're enjoying working out more and you're working out a little bit more and that increase in volume helps you get faster and that increase in enjoyment makes you look forward to the workouts more and there's all these little marginal micro gains. I don't even want to call them marginal gains. They're like micro gains and they add up and just be patient and you'll notice that you get faster and faster and faster. It's pretty cool. So yeah, I averaged a 127 pace for about 4,100 yards this morning. And a few weeks ago, that would have been a miracle. I would have had to kill myself to do that. And I was averaging back then like a 130, maybe a 131. And I'm not trying any harder. It's just happening with some new fun equipment to play with. So keep that in mind. And everybody stay safe out there. Work the uphills. Cruise the downhills. And keep the rubber side down. Out.